Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show Lauren Foundos, founder and CEO of Forte since 2015. Prior to Forte, Lauren spent a decade working on Wall Street institutionally trading government bonds. Lauren is a two-time All-American field hockey player. She played in the Junior Olympics and went on to play Division I at the University of Maryland, the nation's top-ranked program. Well, welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so excited to have you here today. I have so many questions. First of all, you started this vision in 2015. That world was very different from the world that we're living in today. So how did you have that foresight? What problem were you looking to solve back in 2015? Yeah. So initially I was just thinking, well, the studios create great content every day and they can have 30 to 50 people in their class, but with digital, they can have unlimited people in their class, right? They're not going to go to every small city in America or around the world. And so this would be the, you know, given the ability to have a much greater reach, a much bigger impact, reach people that can't afford it or it's not accessible to. And so with technology, it was like, they should be reaching a much bigger audience. Like the whole world is connected on Facebook, you know, like why can they only have 30 people in their studio? That doesn't make sense. And so, you know, initially studios had started creating like on-demand content where they'd shoot it with the camera crew. But I was like, your class is really professional and great and amazing. It's going to be no different than what you're going to stream when you record it. Like you should actually be, you know, kind of double dipping and, 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 and streaming those actual classes. People want to be a part of that actual experience, not some sort of like pre-produced workout video which fast forward to today, SoulCycle just announced they'll be streaming their actual classes. All of the things that I sort of had, you know, hoped would come true are coming true for different reasons, but I do believe that these things were gonna come true regardless. I think the pandemic has just fast forwarded, you know, the velocity of technology adoption and stuff in the fitness market. And you make it so easy for fitness brands because you're offering a white label product as well so that, that, you know, I think that's another problem that some brands are facing is like they don't want to necessarily give away, you know, their brand by partnering with another brand and using another, you know, saying go to this app or log on to this website mm -hmm. and then look for us because they're kind of promoting another brand. But here you're offering a white label solution. So can you share a little bit more about that with us? Yeah. So before we actually launched in 2015, we set out to start building this technology that we spent three years developing before we did any sort of launch of any product. And, and we kind of cracked the code on two perspectives is one is the content creation. So if you want to shoot content, you can build a TV production studio like Peloton, which is very expensive and complicated, or you use Facebook, Instagram, and Zoom from your phone and your laptop or some webcam makeshift setup that you have. And so they're two very dramatic ends of the spectrum and there's nothing in between to really shoot 
shoot high quality content in a cost-effective way. So we spent a couple of years developing this tech where we hardwire three to five cameras or however many into the studio or gym and we put a server there which operates as the producer. So if the class is set to go off at 12 o'clock, the automation turns on those five cameras, rotates around for the specific class and then shuts itself off. And then once the trainer talks into the mic, we know the decibels of your voice, they don't change. So you don't need somebody DJing in the class, we can just automate that as well. So basically to, to create live content that is high quality, it's, you know, it's fully produced, but it's produced by this computer that we put there as opposed to having, you know, five or 10 technicians in the back monitoring the stream. So that's sort of the content creation side. And then from the platform side, most brands are using Zoom, which I wouldn't have considered my competitor before the pandemic, but it is now my competitor. Um, but, you know, Zoom and, and Facebook and Instagram and Vimeo and YouTube, but those are just video hosting platforms or conference tools. And they're not fitness apps, right? So we have, you know, created a white label product where they can have live leaderboards, integrate their wearables, follow users, you know, high five other users, create challenges. We've added in response to the pandemic, the two-way video, which before the pandemic, if you're working at home, you kind of wanted to like not put on your best workout clothes and just be by yourself, you know, but now in today's world, since we aren't connected in the same way that we used to be, obviously two-way video is really important. And for many brands, it's a means to keeping their community together. So that's a pandemic response for us. But other than that, you know, we've always sort of had this same vision, which fortunately now the market has, has caught up to. So that's super exciting. I have so many questions about everything you just said. <laughs> so, okay, I think you hit on two really amazing things. One is community and two is the two-way video. I think two-way video is really great for retention and accountability because I think that's something that people are really needing uh, now more than ever. So how exactly does that work with the two-way video? Yeah, so we call it a Zoom feature. It's not Zoom. It's Zoom is sort of like I use like you Google something. It's just a generic word now, but we built it from scratch. So it's better than that. But ultimately, the users can cho choose to show their video or not. And then basically they, they can, it's not Zoom. So let's say sometimes I want to see my friends. And so I make it 50 squares, but then my friends are little and the trainer's little and I can't see the trainer. So you can basically swipe out your friends from the leaderboard and put them below in a line and then keep the trainer big. So we've iterated on the Zoom experience because we're creating it from scratch and, and the trainer is going to have different controls than the users and stuff like that. So really to make it a better experience, I do think that there, you, people will be able to almost have more touch points or a trainer will be able to see things better than they wouldn't necessarily in a class, which, which is exciting. And I think the two-way video is important. It really differentiates from the other amazing products out there. Peloton has amazing content and an amazing platform, but the two-way video is a different level of accountability. When I don't have it on, I start fluffing my pillows on the couch and doing all these things. When I have it on, I know they're watching me. And so I'm, I'm working harder. Plus it's just fun to see this inside of the studio. Like we're in you know, New York City, they're still closed. So it's fun to just see the inside of the studio. I think that's really going to be a game changer on top of just all the community elements. So anything that Netflix or YouTube or Facebook uses to perpetuate you using the product more, we want to use the same premise, but hopefully we believe it's for the good and then getting you work out more. So, you know, like if your friend signs up for a class, you get a notification to either high five them or join them and just stuff like that to perpetuate, you know, more engagement and, and more community. Cause I think ultimately people want to be yeah, more connected now than ever because we're living in such a different world than we were before. 
Right. Absolutely. And you actually just like hit on, like, I've just watched that documentary social dilemma that Me everybody's too. talking about. <laughs> That's what's right in my head. <laughs> so, and I like totally started knocking down my notifications and being more cognizant of my time I'm online instead of just being a zombie. But I like the idea totally. that you're like, I want to use that technology, but for good to get people moving. And I think that's a big kind of fear in the fitness industry right now. There's so much tech out there. And I think brick and mortar gym locations and individual instructors and trainers that are used to seeing people in person have this kind of fear of technology. And now Apple's you know, gotten into the yep. game and they're obviously a huge player. So whatever Apple does obviously makes a huge impact on people. And there are a lot of conversations happening online and whatnot that I've kind of been a part of, of, you know, is tech like the end of fitness, uh, brick and mortar and whatnot. And I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships and it gets more, you know, the goal is to get more people moving. So if you're implementing this technology in, in your offerings of getting people aware of what their friends are doing and and whatnot, you know, we, when we talk about influencers, your friends are your biggest influencers, not somebody with a million Completely. followers on Instagram. So if you're like, right. okay, Lauren's taking the 930 abs class, like I better hop to it and go in there too. So I really love that community. What are your- Two your, things your, really quick. Yeah, you go said, ahead. I like actually think pre-pandemic, my like bigger happy dream was there's 260, there's 60 million people that go to the gym and have memberships. There's over 260 million people that don't have a membership and do absolutely nothing. So streaming is the ideal entry point for those people. Most people say, yeah, I'll get a trainer or start going to the gym once I lose 50 pounds. I'm like, well, you haven't lost 50 pounds in five years. So, so you should just start going to the gym and just start doing something. But people have that like premise that they always say that they're going to start at some point and they never do. So I think that the bigger goal is to get more people comfortable working out to actually step foot and drive people into the gyms. And the other thing too is like, you know, if you're a trainer, you obviously went to high school somewhere, you went to college somewhere, you grew up somewhere, you have all these different friends that know what you do, that want to get fit, that never could take your classes because they don't live in whatever city you're in. And this, and that's the whole point of the internet, right? Is like your reach is so much bigger. All those people can be a part of your community. We have like features when you check in to the actual studio, you can share it with a friend. So it's funny, you share it to your friend from college. You're like, dude, watch me box, box with me. Like, it's funny, right? I think like, that's the whole thing is like, it's a great way to hang out and be social and just like reconnect and also it's like you said it's more fun with your friends so I think nothing replaces the in-studio experience and until you know it, and I thought that before the pandemic now with the pandemic obviously everyone has a different level of comfort going back and you can show all the cleaning videos that you want some people will be comfortable and some people will not yet and so in, in this interim period I think it's just important to embrace it and obviously going forward, I think the other thing that's really important is like there's statistics from Goldman Sachs that say basically 37 million of the 60 million people that worked out before the pandemic already used some sort of digital platform. So like this was already happening before the pandemic. Nobody was being stopped by like gyms not having apps or like starting to get involved in it. They were just using somebody else's thing. They were looking at Kayla Itzheim's the BBG guide or whatever it is. And people were doing whatever they were doing. But, but I think it's important to realize that that was already happening. And this just obviously sped up the market. So I don't think it replaces anything. If anything, it, it's expanding the reach for the trainer and for, for the brand, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. So do you work with any individual creators or is it mostly studios and large brands? 
Yeah, so so mostly we work directly with studios. We are looking to potentially offer something like that. We initially were bringing in trainers that were not associated to our studios. I think what we found is that it, it, there's a lot for the trainer. Like in, in order to market it properly and do all these things, there needs to be sort of a bunch of different engines, you know, to do a great job. But we are looking to also figure out a way to empower trainers as well. So that's something that we're working on. We actually are raising another round of funding. So to be able to, to do more of these things simultaneously, because obviously studios have closed and many locations have closed hundreds, actually probably closer to a thousand. And so there's going to be a lot of great people displaced and obviously they still have communities. So, so I certainly think there's a market there and even more so now than, than ever for sure. Oh, absolutely. Because each individual trainer or group fitness industry, I mean, group fitness instructor is almost like their own entity and their own brand. Even if they were working within a studio, they have their own little group or community and everybody's looking to monetize right now. So how did you come up with this concept, Lauren? Like I just kind of dove right in, but I want (laughs) to kind of zoom back out. So you were in Wall Street. You have, you know, you were athletic growing up. You played sports in college. How did you come up with this concept? Where did you see the problem? Like walk us through your whole creative process. Yeah. So I started, I I wasn't having time to work out. I had to be at work like at five in the morning. So I would try to work. No thing was open at that point, basically. And so I started trying to work out after work and my customers, like I'd have to go to dinners and things. They'd always be like, where are you? So I started actually going to Flywheel and bringing them because they were all competitive and we would go on the leaderboards. I started bringing customers to work out with me and then go to dinner because they were like, well, where are you going? I'm like, you could come with me if you want. So I was trying to like figure out a way to work out and also do my work. And so I started getting really into the studio scene and I would, before that was what it was, I would like find cool places or hire a cool trainer and do these cool things because everyone ultimately was competitive and stuff. So, so I got really into the studio scene. Um, and then I live next to Peloton in New York city and I saw what was happening there on the first days of the place opening. And I was like, this is amazing, but nobody's listening. Nobody's on the other side. Obviously they built an amazing company. It's different today, but I was like, nobody even knows what this is. We should give this to Flywheel, SoulCycle, these great, you know, brands with these great communities. And so I started thinking about it. And I was like, this is really interesting. Like, you know, so I started talking to studios I was close with and I was like, would you want to stream? And many were like, no, people will copy our moves and kind of had these silly reasons why they didn't think it was a good idea. But some of them were like, yeah, let's do it. So every time I'd go back, they'd be like, when are we going to do this streaming thing? I was like, oh my God. I was like, I have no idea how to do that. I have a job. Like I was just saying (laughs) something. I don't even know what I was saying. Like, and I was like scared to go back there because they would always ask me about it. I was like, oh my God. And the more I would sit at work, the more I was like, I know for a fact this is going to happen. And I know the future is going to go this way. And I don't want to tell a sad story. Like, see that company? That was my idea. Guess what? I'm not, I don't know any part of that company. I didn't tell anybody about that, but I thought of that first. And I was like, I don't want to tell that sad story. And I'm certain I became more and more certain that the future was going this way. So ultimately I ended up leaving my job and just trying to figure it out from there and and figure out how in the world to start a company. (laughs) And that was a whole process within itself. Right. So what did that look like? Like, where did you even start? What were the steps that you took? Because I think there's a lot of people that have ideas, but obviously like you just pointed out, ideas are nothing without execution. So obviously you were invested in your idea and you took it to that next level, but what did, you know, what were the steps? Yeah. 
Totally. So I, I literally went on my LinkedIn and I typed in tech. I'm like, oh, wow, I know nobody <laughs> in tech. I only know traders from Wall Street. I was like, okay, that wasn't that helpful. But I knew one person at my brother's best friend growing up and he had worked in tech and worked at Kickstarter. So I got in touch with him and he was instrumental in helping me sort of figure out a lot of building blocks because he had done this before. And I started just like going to tech events and just like anything else, I just felt like so confused and I would just sit there and just try to like get in the mix and hear what was going on. And ultimately then I got into a group called Dreamers and Doers. It's like a, a women's group for tech and entrepreneurs. And that was really instrumental in me like figuring out what to do. It's like, you know, everyone's asking like, I wanna, uh, you know, make a C Corp in Delaware and you know, all these things you need to start to figure out. And so that was really instrumental in just like shortcutting the process of not wasting my time trying to spin my wheels. So I would definitely, you know, surround yourself with people that are that have already done this and can kind of save you the time from making those mistakes. So that support was really instrumental in the early days. And then starting to just build a team. Ultimately, I had then was doing a lot of this while I was still working and had got some engineers and we were all working on it. It was really exciting at night, but I was like, no investor is going to give me money if I just work on this for three hours a night. And, you know, like I want to get millions of dollars. Nobody's going to do that. So I knew the first step then was for me to leave my job in order to convince the other people that I had convinced to work on this at night with me to also leave their jobs. And so, so really like, you know, nobody's going to give you money if this is a side hustle. And if I wanted to make this really real, I needed to just like take the plunge all in. And, and, you know, everyone was like, thought I was crazy for leaving my job and my life was going well. And I was like, listen, this is like the hardest thing you could ever try. And if I fail, I'm going to know a lot more than I knew, you know, doing my old job. And I guess the one thing I think that was so valuable from this is that my old job was great and I made a lot of money and it was really exciting. And I thought it was the best thing ever and I never wanted to leave it. And I could never go back to doing my old job now. Like now that I work on something that's so fulfilling and making people's lives better. And obviously if you're a trainer, you know that already because you're already changing people's lives. But I didn't know that before my old job. We just cared about how much money we made every day and watched the stock market tickers all day long. And, you know, and so, so I guess this is, taking that plunge was really exciting. If, if everything went wrong today, just knowing that was really great for me because I'm experiencing a whole different reason for working and really loving what I do, which sounds cheesy, but, but it's true. Absolutely. And you kind of get to, you know, say how things are going to be. So you can really create, you know, have a vision and then make it come to life as opposed to living on somebody else's vision. So totally. tell us a little bit about, what the onboarding process looks like. So if a gym or studio owner is listening to this right now and they're, you know, still haven't gotten online offering and they're not streaming because to put it simply, they might just be overwhelmed. There's so many options. It's like, how do people know, you know, which one to go with? What does that process look like? Like what's step one through five? Yep. So yeah, so usually we have a sales call with them. We figure out sort of what they're doing now, whether it's Vimeo or Zoom or what's their, you know, what's their long time plan and kind of just like go over, you know, the, the cool thing is we've been building this for five years. So we've thought of everything. Like we have music licensing solutions, how we offer, we have, you know, everything that any problem that stands in the way, because we have thought about this for a while. So it's exciting when we have those 
calls because they're like, this is literally everything I want. I was like, I know, I've been thinking about this for a very long time, not just since the pandemic. So that's always really exciting. Usually then we figure out what payment solution they use. So MindBody or whatever it is. And then we can integrate with their payment providers. So once they sign with us, basically they figure out, they send us a tech survey, which tells us the tech specs of their space, their AV equipment, everything. And then we build and ship them hardware. We can build hardware that costs 500 all the way up to $10,000. Obviously that kind of being the full Monty and, 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 or some studios will kind of upgrade as they, you know, start to earn revenue from it. And then we build them a white label site. So they give us all their branding, all their stuff like that. What tell us what features they want or don't, maybe it's yoga and having your Apple watch connected is irrelevant. Um, and so we basically go through what they want and then there's no upfront fee and they pay per user. So as they collect money, they pay us. We've changed the pricing amidst the pandemic because we realize these are catastrophic times and we want to be able to help people get to the other side. And so, you know, now I keep cutting things lower and lower <laughs> because I just really like want to see everybody get there. And so, yeah, that it's a really simple process. Ultimately, from their perspective, they don't have to do very much at all. We make everything work the cameras work in order to conduct live streams. They literally just go on a calendar and schedule them. It's super, super simple and it's integrated into whatever their payment company is. So they just manage their classes and users just like they normally were. So there's not a lot of you know work on their part to actually get up and running or having to learn any new systems. So usually people are pretty happy when they switch over because they were trying to live stream and it was quite complicated and it's also stressful because if it doesn't work out right, everyone's waiting on you and stuff like that. So we have had really great feedback. So it's been super exciting. Right. I think a lot of people are trying to bootstrap it and like put it together. It's like being held with like a piece of gum and like a paper clip. <laughs> you know, exactly. it's like, all right, we're just going to make it. this work and we'll take donations and, you know, yeah. but we're, and we say we have a digital offering, but it's really not like something comprehensive or professional. And I think that for a period of time, people at home were kind of, you know, willing to be flexible um, oh, with yeah. video production and, and quality for, for quite some time because nobody really knew how long this was going to last. Yep. But that's not a long-term solution, right? Like having, yep. you know, different things happening in the background or being in your living room, like not everyone loves that experience. Some people are yep. looking for something a little bit more elevated. What's the timeline look like? So if I was a gym or studio owner and I said, okay, I want to pull the trigger on this, Lauren, like how long would it take me? I, I'm sure it's a range based on, you know, what the studio provides you with, but yep. you know, what, what could people expect? How long yeah. would it take to get up and running? Seven to 10 days if they're really efficient with returning the information that we need. So yeah, very, very quickly. And yeah, so it's super easy ultimately for them to do it. We've, we've now done this many times. And, and so it's, um, we have the onboarding down to a science. Obviously, you know, I think people, like you said, were, were, were opening in California, they opened, they closed, they have fires, they had to furlough. I mean, like the stuff that's going on is so complicated and I can't even fathom, you know, what everyone's going through. I know it's, it's a lot. And so, you know, we've tried to simplify this process for, for studios as much as possible. And I think just one note for the people that are trainers out there trying to get into the digital world, I always give my friends this tip of advice. They're like, how do I find like streaming companies? Like how do I, and I think one good way to do it is actually to follow what companies are getting funding. 
So if, if, if somebody just closes on $5 million of funding, they have a great bank role to start hiring people very quickly. And there's a lot going on. So the first people that they hear from are, are they're going to be really excited about. And I think that that's a great way if you definitely want to break into the streaming world to, to actually kind of go on something called Crunchbase, where it talks about recent funding deals. Look for the companies in the fitness space that are getting it because they're all looking for head of director of content, you know, creative director or trainers to hire internally. So I think, um, yeah, because people are always like, how do you find out about these things? And that, that's probably the best way to do it. Um, so I would definitely recommend doing that, obviously, because the world is changing and the brick and mortar business, obviously, many are closing and evolving. And so if you aren't working right now, I would definitely suggest uh, doing something like that. That's a great tip. And I love following Crunchbase. So actually, you just brought me on to another topic because I just read recently in Fit Insider that you got a $1.25 million uh, investment. So yep. what does that process of raising investment look like? Do you feel like you have an advantage because you were on Wall Street for 10 years, so you know kind of like the lingo and the jargon and what people are looking for? Yep. Yeah, I think that was probably helpful for sure. A lot of times they were like, who's your finance guy? I'm like, I am the finance guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at him. Or, um, so that was always funny. But I think, yes, that was super helpful, but it's still different than sort of even what I knew. It was a whole different, there's so many facets in finance. It's like being a heart surgeon versus being an ear doctor. They probably wouldn't do each other's operations. So it was helpful, but I still had a lot to learn. Um, I think initially, obviously, in most cases, you uh, I self-funded as I was able to a little bit. And then ultimately, you raise a friends and family round. A lot of investors just like to see that because they know you'll work really hard if your mom's money is there or somebody you really care about. It gives a different thing than just somebody coming from the outside that they have no relation to. So a lot of like, them like to see that. And then ultimately raising from angel groups, um, which is really fun. They're really passionate um, investors. And then, then the last round that we raised was an institutional round. So that becomes even more complicated and you need more and more things to kind of get over those hurdles. I would say now people are really excited about investing in the fitness space thanks to Peloton. So that's been really exciting. Investors typically didn't understand it and thought it was like girly and overlooked it. And now there's a lot of private equity groups like investing in, you know, big brands to scale big brands and stuff like that. So that's really exciting. Um, and obviously if you don't have a certain skill, just getting your, you know, people around you that do have those skills. I think that's the most important thing is I definitely don't fear hiring people smarter than me. I welcome them <laughs> and, you know, I, I, at all costs, I think it's important to know what you're good at and to find the people to do the things that you're not good at very quickly because, you know, ultimately that you don't want to hire more people like yourself. You want to hire people, you know, with limited resources, you need to be really diligent about who you bring on. Oh yeah. Automate, yeah. delegate, delete. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. um, who were your first two hires? Um, my first two hires was my CTO and actually the guy that helped me build the company that I had built companies before and worked up in the startup world. So I knew that I knew a lot of things that would be helpful, but I also knew that I had never done this before. And so that I needed somebody that had made those mistakes and, and built a business before because there's just so many things to, to learn and, and you shouldn't know them. I actually was cleaning the other day and trying to be productive in quarantine life and found these like old papers that when I started the company, I wrote down like, what is venture capital? What is like, and I was like, oh my, I was like thinking about myself. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't know this stuff. Like, Jesus, what rock were you living? Now this stuff seems so obvious. And it was like kind of fun to see how far 
I've come as a person or as like, you know, as a, a, a like a, somebody leading a company, like I didn't know all these things. And I literally thought those were normal questions to write down. And now I think they're so silly that I didn't know. So it's actually really fun just like to look back and even see how far and how much you've learned just in this short time. And so I think the main thing is like you like you're going to make mistakes. It's not, it's not easy. And who cares what anybody else thinks? Like ultimately you're doing this and they're not, it's a lot easier to armchair quarterback and say that, Oh, well that, I don't know if that's a great idea or, you know, people like ultimately I think the other thing too, when you're talking to investors is a lot of them basically were saying, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. And now they're calling all these people that turned me away and are like, hey, responding to emails that are like literally two years old. Hey, we'd love to follow up on our conversation. I'm like, this is a two-year-old email chain that you're responding to, by the way. So I just want you to acknowledge that. Like, I think that's been really funny. Like, you should stick to your vision. If you are working in the space, if you're a trainer and owner, Jim, you know this space better than some investor does. So don't take their, you know, opinions with a grain of salt. And, and, and thankfully I didn't change my business model over these years because I've had much advice from very smart people to do very different things. And I never changed it. And when the pandemic hit, we were situated in a really good place. So I think that's the other thing that's important to remember is that you, you know, know this very well. And, and so you should stick to your guns. Obviously if it's not working and, you know, then you should make, you know, iterate and make amendments. But ultimately I think it's important to trust your gut more, more than you think. And I think that's the biggest maker of, you know, or marker rather of an entrepreneur, right? Somebody that has a vision and they stay true to that vision and they make it happen and they don't stop. It's, you know, you have to have kind of that tunnel vision to make something happen because everybody has opinions. The world's filled with opinions. I mean, I'm going furniture shopping right now and everybody's giving me their opinion on like what, you know, what store I should go to. So um, that makes a lot of sense. And I actually know somebody that's, uh, you know, in the process of raising capital for uh, a mindfulness app and he's getting a lot of feedback as well. And people love to poke holes, but they're not the ones executing or doing it. So that's a great thing to, to keep in mind. So Lauren, what's next for Forte? Yeah, so we're, we're raising another round of funding very quickly, which is super exciting to continue to scale the company. So, so that's awesome. It's now fun that it's becoming much easier. It was a very strenuous process at certain points. Um, and we're just, yeah, looking to scale and hopefully help as many gyms get to the other side of this and, you know, create great digital products. Then I think what's so cool about this is that a lot of these big companies that we're working with that have great brands, they would have never focused on their digital until they were not growing and they were losing members. And so this has forced some people to to focus on it sooner. And I think ultimately this is going to be really good for many companies and many brands in general or people that are doing it because many industries have been wiped away by technology, like Blockbuster and Netflix being like the most prime example of thousands of brick and mortars that are now totally irrelevant. And so I think in many ways, even though this is so catastrophic and obviously so complicated for many people in the industry, I think it's really going to be, if you can kind of move and groove through it and and forward think, I think it's going to be a really exciting time. So we're excited to hopefully help as many brands as possible, you know, get digital up and running and and keep their community together and and get to the other side until our new normal appears, whatever that's going to be. Oh, absolutely. And I love the saying, like, you have to learn how to bend before you break. And sometimes, even if this is something that you know, you might not necessarily be on board with, or you're intimidated by technology or all the different options, you have to embrace it. Otherwise, you know, you're going to be irrelevant. Uh, So it's kind of like, you have to bend and not break. So 
Mm-hmm. Lauren, what's the biggest challenge or need in your business right now? I love to ask people that because this is, this all sounds amazing. And I'm sure that there have been a lot of challenges along the way, but what's the biggest challenge right now? Yeah, I would say, well, for a while, it was the fact that shipments weren't coming from China and things were delayed and right, just just like sort of the supply chain, right? And, you know, fitness equipment companies can't get the equipment out when people want it. You can't get dumbbells, right? So, so that was a complication and something that was, you know, tricky to navigate. I would say for me of late, we've been hiring a lot of people. So that's also really fun and also, you know, time consuming. You want to do a good job bringing people into the company and building a culture. And at the same time, we're moving a million miles a minute. So it's hard to do both of those things really well. And so I would say that's probably challenging, just managing people. You know, in my old job, I was responsible for myself. So now that's a whole nother thing, right? Just like, yeah, just managing people and and figuring out what our paternity leave is. I was like, I don't know what is law on that. (laughs) I don't know how much I have to give, you know, like just all these things that like you, you know, as a founder, you do so many things like that you never even thought about. Now I know more about music licensing. I feel like I'm like an, uh, on, you know, like a lawyer in that regard. Like you just learn so much. So I think um, just trying to navigate as quickly as we can and, and really hiring and looking for great people. We're always looking for great people. So if you are great, please definitely send us an email and um, yeah, just let us know because we're raising and growing. And so um, yeah, let us know. It's careers at forte.fit if you want to just shoot us an email. Perfect. Yeah. So Lauren, if somebody's listening to this and they want to find out more, they want to connect with you, where can they do that? Um, yeah. So you can email the company if you're a studio or trainer looking to get involved at partnerships at forte.fit. Um, and you can find us at goforte.fit or forte.fit. And my Instagram is at lfundos. And uh, you can find me by Googling my name. I think I'm the only Lauren Fundos out there <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your journey with us. I think it's really interesting to see how you came up with such an amazing uh, concept that's had so much impact. And I know that you just kind of, you know, wrap the last like five years up in (laughs) in 30 minutes and it sounded a lot easier than I'm sure it was, but thank you so much for walking us through that journey um, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, this is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts, so if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.